Hello and welcome to a very special AMPS podcast where I'm joined by the sound team for Barbie. We're celebrating the fact that they've been nominated in the AMPS Film Awards and I'm joined by Nina Rice, Production Sound, and Dan Kenyon, Sound Design and Supervising Sound Editor. Welcome to the AMPS podcast. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, thank you. It's great to be here. Dan, it must be a little bit early for you in the States. Uh, it's 9am, it's not too bad. So I'm, I've been awake. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've watched the film a couple of times now, and I think you've both done a great job. So just to start with Nina, you'd actually spotted this opportunity because you'd admired Greta, the director's work, and you actually proactively went out to get this, didn't you? I did indeed. I was, um, um, yes, I'd been a huge fan of Greta's work Um from her being an actress in Frances Ha to directing Lady Bird and Little Women, which are outstanding films. So I was like, yep, I need to work on her next one. So um, I got in touch with my agent who got me um, a meeting set up with her. And I just wanted that um, a meeting because I didn't think I would get it, you know. But it was so nice to get in the room with her, chat to her about her ideas of Barbie I hadn't read the script then, but she was giving me a whole brief of what it was. It's um sort of a musical with dialogue intertwined throughout. Um, Barbie Land sounds very, you know, dead, like a plastic void compared to the real world. So I'm just there crazy taking notes going, wow, oh my God. And then, but also telling her that I came off a um feature called I Used to Be Famous where there was a lot of um, live recording bands and stuff like that. So... I think from there she trusted me with it and then found out that exact same day that I had got the job. So I was absolutely thrilled. Fantastic. Well, quite rightly so. It it, it sounds great. And Dan, um, did you get that same brief then or how did you get on board? Uh, So I've actually worked with Eileen and Kevin O'Connell, who was the uh, dialogue music re-recording mixer. I've worked with them on a few projects over the years and uh, mostly with Eileen and, and her and I have had a pretty good working relationship and we have very similar taste and we're just very comfortable and used to working with each other. Eileen was the one that approached me about the movie and all I had kind of known about it before was I'd seen the picture of Ryan and Margot and Venice Beach in their neon rollerblading gear and I was like, this is going to be s- a really cool, interesting movie. I think that casting's incredible. And I found out that later that Greta was doing it. And I was like, okay, this is nothing like the other movies that she's done. Um, this is going to be something really cool and interesting and different. And uh, later on, I'd link and talk to me about doing it. And I was like, well, of course. Uh, um, I'd actually had a few other things, projects on the horizon and things I was trying to figure out and, and schedule. And, but when this came up, I was like, well, I can't miss this. Like, this is going to be something, I don't know what this is going to be, but it's going to be something interesting, creative, uh, important. And it's just been so cool to see after it's come out, the reception of it and just what it's been able to accomplish and what Greta has been able to do. And it's nothing like I could have imagined. I think all of us thought it was going to be a big movie and it was certainly really, really hyped up. Um, but you know, some of those movies that, that we work on or you hear about, they, there's so much hype around them and then they don't live up to them or they, it's, it's got so much, um, there's a lot of pressure on it to perform and this just, just like blew everything away. So it's certainly made waves. The reception's been fantastic. Yeah. 
Um, what sort of challenges, Nina, what sort of challenges? I'd imagine some costume challenges for you. Definitely costume challenges. Um, but, you know, we had such a great um, costume team and her makeup team. So we were able to sew the radio mics into the wigs and also into the costumes. Like they were so helpful, especially in those big dance numbers where you have dialogue again um, throughout it and just making that work and, you know, giving as much clean dialogue as possible for those moments. Yeah. And I mean, it was great collaboration uh, across all departments, but um, hats off to my team on the floor, Steve Hancock, Sarah Howe and Laura Clough. I could not have done it without them. Absolute dream team. That always helps, doesn't it? And the the challenges for for, um, effects, what kind of brief, Dan, did you get for effects for the sort of plastic world of Barbie? Yeah, uh, there's a few. I mean, there was a lot of challenges uh, on that front. Sort of the overall idea of the sound of Barbie Land that we got from direction from Greta was everything should feel kind of authentically artificial. Uh, Barbie world is kind of like an interior world. It's like a film set or a diorama at a museum. Um, you know, to the Barbies and the Kens, everything is feels real and authentic. But as for us as humans, it's not. You know, there's no wind. There's no no real birds. There's no water. Um, so we got to have fun with experimenting with different sounds, different like sources of, of sounds that sounded like the real thing, but weren't, uh, so like with the birds, the birds chirping, bird chirping in uh Barbie land is actually, it's like a clay whistle that you fill with water and you blow through it and it makes like a bird chirp sound. Um, you know, when you play it in the context of everything, it sounds, it sounds right and it sounds real, but it's actually, it's, it's not, you know, um, the, another example is like the shower, when Barbie takes a shower and you don't see any water. There's again, there's no water in, in Barbie land, but, uh, we use kind of rain stick sounds and different textures like that to make it sound like the real thing, but it's not. And the other big challenge that we had too, was there's so much music in the movie and it's all like really, really fantastic score of course, but then most of the songs were written by pop artists for the movie on that side they had we had to be careful with the music and play it because it's all it's all relevant and it's it's barbie specific and it's fun and and there's a lot of dialogue as well and any movie that's the most important thing that we hear but in addition to like the dialogue and the music we have this full vibrant world that's barbie land and so we had to find kind of the right sounds and the right tonalities and the right placement of different things to that to make sure that it all works together and nothing was distracting and nothing felt like it was taking your attention away but um it also had to be kind of fun and and playful we used to like a lot of toy sounds um the car horns in barbie land were processed like old 70s car horns uh, just just anything we tried we, we tried so many different things to make it feel sort of like toy-like but then also fit what you're seeing and fit the the context of Barbie land and fit the the size of things. And um, just to give it a, a, a fun, playful, like elegant, perfect. This is like a perfect world. So it was, it was a real, it was a lot of challenges. It was really fun. Um, yeah. And it was, it's, it was just great to like combine all that and really work maybe a little bit more closely against and with the music than we would normally 
because not, none, none of the music was really underscore. No, it's all right up there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So. Um, for the Dance the Night Away, we had um, Mark Ronson's track, but without the um, lyrics from uh, Dua Lipa. Yeah. So that was great. Um, for this is the best day ever. Do you know that whole, the dialogue yes. in the circle? Yeah, yeah. So what I, we used there to get all the dialogue clean was we had the Phonak earpieces playing. So it would be in the, the music would be in the room um, blasted three big speakers dressed into the set and then um, we get to the point drop it out and just have it in the earpieces and also give the background dancers the earpiece as well so they could keep in time so it was all about controlling those it's elements cool. to make it work and you know so you're there Nina trying to record as clean dialogue as possible um, but I noticed the sets were very very brightly lit any problems with that <sighs> the soft suns and I was like oh my goodness um yeah there's four of these on this stage especially with the Barbie dream houses and and the sets as well because they're so open and so tall yeah um the soft suns presumably have a lot of cooling fans in them do they yep a lot of cooling fans so when we were able to get one off when uh our lovely DP Rodrigo wasn't using any um yeah they were able to get them off but every time like um I was worried about a piece of dialogue um, when it was on was when they return from Barbie land and there's a lot of movement and you've got the cans and they're like that sort of thing. But we were able to, um, I just send, you know, it to post as well. And j- just to make sure, like, is, is it okay? And they're like, oh, no, 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 it's fine. And you've got a mixture. You've got a good mixture of radios in there. Oh, no, you're grand. It's like, oh, thank <laughs> you so much. <laughs> you know. Um, so you had a really good working relationship with production and post-production then. And, and post, yes. I always try to, you know, at the beginning of a job, work out, you know, who who's our lovely post team, any bits that I'm worried about. And then, you know, and as you go on through the job, you're able to change things and like how, you know, you'd capture something differently. So it's really great that production were right on your side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what I loved as well, um, we got so many wild tracks on set and, and Greta was, you know, so into them as well, just like um, a little piece in case she wanted just add a different line there or, you know, that sort of thing. So it it was so nice to be working with a director like Greta um, and have her, you know, 100% behind us. Sound aware directors are gold dust. Yes. They are dumb. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she was, she, was, she was great in that way. And actually that, that uh, Dance the Night Away scene was, you, you captured that really well. Um, and she, Greta was, when we were in post, she was saying, well, if you listen to these tracks a little bit carefully, you can a little bit more carefully, you can hear all the dancers are kind of cheering each other on and, and, um, and reacting sometimes after they're doing flips and stuff like that. And she's like, I really, really loved that on set. And I, I want to like, she wanted to have that, uh, really play up during when the, when we introduced the music and everything. But so what we did was we listened to those tracks that Nina recorded and did a lot of stuff in ADR and recorded a lot of takes in ADR to, tr- to try to replicate and enhance that, just the energy that was on set. 
for that song. And it, it, I think it turned out really well. It's kind of something I don't know if I would have thought about that. Uh, just if you're just doing the normal thing in post when you're like, okay, well, that person's cheering and that person's saying something and Margo's talking and okay, we've done that. But that whole element added just an, an extra layer of energy and fun to that scene. Yeah. The whole film has a real energy about it and that's helped by overlapping dialogue, but I bet that gave you some concerns, Nina. Yeah, I mean, that's Greta loves overlapping dialogue and, you know, she loves it to sound natural. Um, so that's why I used a mixture of booms, sometimes three booms on set, um, along with the radio mics to achieve this. And that was strict, you know, their flow and comic timing. I thought all of that worked really, really well. I also loved the punctuation of sometimes music, sometimes sound effects. Um particularly stood out the punctuation of the sound of the chairs when Aaron walks into the boardroom and those corporate types move aside and their chair, the sound of their chair wheels on the floor is just huge. It's like a big cavern opening up for him. <laughs> so intimidating a sound, a real magic moment. Yeah, the Mattel workers uh, and, and Nini, you could, you, since you were there and you could probably yeah. give some more background on this as well, but... Um, they were, they, they had the, she did this really fun thing with them and, and they're all like supposed to be, I don't know if this is the right term, but it's sort of like these office drones and they're, they're all kind of in sync and they're all this just, you know, they're all just like this succinct, uh, machine. And that's the, yeah, like the, the chair turn was fun. They all turned together. Uh, we had a, we had a note at one point that they, they did really want to emphasize that it was a conversation stopper and. Uh, but then like we, we, they're pretty fun in the office chase scene too. And I'd love to hear your take on this Nina too, because we're, they're so silly. They're just, they're all like chasing Margot and they're all in sync and they're all doing this like funny March. And um, it was just, just really fun to play with that and the sounds with, and how could we make that more fun and silly and, and just how could we get extra laughs out of these, these Mattel workers? Um yeah. They were just shot in such a specific way. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I remember that day on set um, and uh, Greta wanted, you know, um, sort of a beat going. So we played in a metronome sound. Um, and so that's why they're all in sync for that. And it really works. And the same BPM, I think, was used for the Charlie XCX song, um, Speed which is one of my favorite on the album. Mm. <laughs> and I think, you know, it's, ding, ding, ding. it's just, it's just genius. Yeah. It's comic genius, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Um, talking of favorites, which aspect of this film or which scene um, are you most proud of? <gasps> There's so many. And I was thinking about this and I'm like, Oh, I've narrowed it down. I think to <laughs> three. <laughs> That's allowed. That okay. <laughs> <laughs> so one I mentioned earlier was the dancing uh, the night away yeah um just because the scale of it and that was our second week of shooting and then I realized you know oh wow this film is just incredible and you know Margot's line is this is the best day ever and I was just like yeah this is the best day ever <laughs> you know um also we have Gloria's um speech yes which is a huge moment. Yes, quite. Because, you know, as a woman, and it's like, oh, this is everything you want to say. You can't say, but it's written so amazingly um, uh, 
by Greta and delivered incredibly. Yes, an amazing, powerful moment in the film. Dan, do you have a favourite moment? You can't have one, just like Nina was saying. Um, watching it, it's got to be, it has to be the um, the whole Gosling beach fight uh, sequence that goes into the ballet and ends with all the Kens uh, horse galloping into Barbie land. And I, I'm going to, I'm a sound effects person, but I'm going to say it's really because of the music, the, and, and Ryan Gosling and that song, it's, I've had numerous conversations with people about the movie and, uh, and they said, Oh, did you ever get sick of hearing the song? And I said, no. And on these movies in post, you, you work on these scenes, hundreds, I don't know, thousands, I don't know of times, like countless amount of times. And you're like, okay, this scene, okay, whatever, this this track, I can't listen to this anymore. I go home and it's stuck in my head. But on this movie, it was like, yeah, I go home and this I Am Kevin song is stuck in my head and I'm just Ken. And it's great. And it just never uh, never got old. And every time, even when we're doing the final mix, uh, everyone, somebody, when someone hits stop, somebody in the room is like still singing the song, still humming the song. It's just such a fun song fun sequence and and ryan's so good yeah um so that's like i think watching the movie and it's just you just that the way that that scene ends and it like kind of just the energy cools off as the kens are like wait where's all the barbies what's happened um it's just so well done it's just a really enjoyable scene to watch and i i did just watch that moments before talking to you just to remind me it it (laughs) certainly does yeah there's so much going on that you don't spot the first time as well yeah so much yeah because i mean the the dancers are actually dancing in slow motion but it's shot at 24 frames (laughs) so look at that so so funny and then um yeah, then you have the Mattel arriving on the beach and balls thrown at them and stuff. And <laughs> yes. yeah, to capture that on set, we had like the dancers miming in the background and that was really cool and, and funny as well, <laughs> watching that. Yeah. I think that's 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 sequences where everybody that works on the film could have their moment to shine because everything crescendos, the dialogue, the music like sound effects and everything, everyone that worked on the movie, like that's, that's like their, that was like their time to shine visual effects too. all the sparkles and stuff that came in. Those came in kind of towards the end of the movie. We didn't know that, that there was going to be sparkles there for the, I guess the beach off the <laughs> part. Um, but it was just such, it's so fun. It's like every department of the film, that's where everyone came together and it just works so well. And um it was a, a, an amazing vision that Greta had to to do that, have everything collide. And yeah, it was just, just such a good sequence. So fun. It's a fantastic sequence, real, but it, it looks like everybody's having fun. Is there, to ask a boring question now, sorry, is there one piece of kit that you think I couldn't have done without for this particular movie? So Nina first. Yeah, um, I upgraded to the uh, sound devices Scorpio and CL16 just before this movie. Yeah. Because I originally had the 688 and CL12. I was like, no, I need way more tracks. <laughs> <laughs> so I was literally chucked in the deep end and learned very quickly on that. And it's been my saving grace. I absolutely love this piece of kit. Yeah. And um, also the Phonak ear in ear yeah. pieces. Dan, any bit of any plugin, any uh, software, anything that you trying to think, honestly. I mean, every movie that we do, it's just we're using a combination of 
of everything. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't point to one specific plugin or, or, you know, piece of software, or, but we were doing everything from recording like vocal sounds from ourselves and processing things with, with pitch shifting and, and pitch shifting was pretty important again, just to like work with the the music and, and stuff like that, especially in yeah. the world, uh, world travel transition moments. Um, but I don't, yeah, I wish I had a cool, fun Barbie plug-in answer. <laughs> no, don't worry. I half expected you to say that. Are there any hidden gems? Are there any <laughs> Easter eggs hidden in the soundtrack? Uh, you know, I don't think so. Um, there was, I don't know if I should, I don't know if I should say it. We can always edit it out. <laughs> <laughs> there was at one point talk of, do we sneak in an Easter egg of the Aqua song? Uh, what is it called? <laughs> Barbie Go. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there was like at one point talk of like, do we have that for Barbie's ringtone when she's on the beach? And I don't think we ever pursued it. We we ended up using a piece of the score from the opening when we're first getting into Barbie Land. But that, may, yeah, I don't know. That might have been a fun one. But other than that, the more Easter eggy things were like, you know, what I was talking before about like the bird, bird whistles. And I mean, that's not really an Easter egg, but that's just kind of something fun that you would never know. <laughs> um, Nina, Dan, thank you so much uh, for coming and taking part in our AMPS podcast. And again, many congratulations on the nomination. Um, and I should say that uh, we aren't recording pictures, but... Um, but Nina is wearing a pink jumper with red hearts. Dan didn't get the memo and he's not wearing pink. Um, but yeah. No, I'm, my pink's coming. <laughs> Very appropriate. I'm loving it. We wish you all the best with the nomination. And thank you so much for appearing on the AMPS podcast. Thanks for having us. Thanks so much. Thanks for having us. If you have an idea for a future AMPS podcast or just want to tell us what you want to hear more of, please get in touch. You can reach out to us via email at ampspodcast at gmail.com or via Twitter, which is at ampspodcast. We'd love to hear from you and thanks for listening. Are you looking for more audio-related podcasts? Well, we're a part of the Audio Podcast Alliance featuring a hand-picked selection of the very best podcasts about sound. Be sure to check out the latest episodes from our friends in the community at audiopodcast.org.